Welcome to the REI Mastermind Network, where host Jack Haas gathers amazing stories from leaders in real estate investing. In each episode, our guests will tell you what they're doing that works, what they've tried that failed, and best of all, you'll learn actionable steps to take your real estate investing to the next level. Now, here's Jack with another value-packed episode. We have Matt Shields with me today, and you can follow along with what Matt and his team are up to by going to investinginsquarefeet.com. And I'm going to make sure to have this link in the show notes because you do have to go investinsqft.com for that. And it'll be clickable right there in the show notes in your podcast app. So, Matt, I really appreciate your time here today. Jack, thanks for having me on today. I'm excited to be here. We're going to be covering quite a bit of ground. and first, But first, we're going to start things off by talking about digital innovation and, and making some changes there. But I'd be interested in how you define that to begin with. Yeah, so digital transformation is essentially breaking down the processes that your, system, that your company currently uses today into step-by-step examples of whatever the output might be, and then we'll take and we'll digitize that, right? So sometimes that's a custom piece of software. Sometimes that's just an app. Really just depends on whatever the output is that you're looking for. But that's really what that means is really just streamlining your processes, your systems, and automating as much as we possibly can, but also digitizing it so that it can be accessed by anyone, anywhere. You have a lot of background in real estate investing, and we're going to cover a few of those things, but which came first, the digital transformation business or the real estate business? Going back about 25 years or so, I actually started my career. I joined an electoral contracting company as an apprentice, and that's what I did right out of high school. And I didn't go to college, but I, as soon as I was able to qualified to take my state certification. I did that and opened up my own electoral contracting company when I was, I don't know, I think it was about 22 or so. I also had started buying houses when I was 19 and I was flipping them. I was you know, reselling them. I had a couple of rentals at that point. But what I was doing when I had the electoral contracting company is if the contracting company was slow, we would send the guys to the houses to fix them up or what have you. So that was going well until 2008. I live in Cleveland, Ohio, and everyone knows, obviously, the market got a little shaky in 2008, and we had a number of companies go out of business that owed the electoral contracting company quite a bit of money. So that put the contracting company out of business. But shortly before 2008, I'm going to say maybe 2005, 2006, we started developing software to be able to control building systems, which this is before that was really done. So we were controlling HVAC systems, lighting systems. So we had a little bit of programming background and software background because of that. So in 2008 is when the first iPhone came out. So we, I said, let's give the app. We started developing apps. And if I remember correctly, I think we were about the first 200,000 apps in the website or in the web store or app store. So we were relatively early on in the software game. And that's morphed a little bit over the years into what it is today where we're doing the, the digital transformation with companies. And, and that was starting, that started going well in 2017, we started to get the itch to get back into real estate again. And 
So I, I started looking at multifamily this time. So we've grown and scaled pretty quickly. So I think we purchased our first or acquired our first asset in, I think it was 2018, perhaps. And today we have almost $60 million worth of, of assets under management right now. So but more between all of these different things, I, I always like to tell people that if they're looking to make a change, try to look and see what type of assets you already have, what type of knowledge you already have. And even if you're jumping into a new industry, try to be able to utilize some of the things that you have already learned or built in the past connections that you've already built. So you can create those stepping stones and those ways to be able to bridge those gaps between those fields. Digital transformation and the way you defined it with documenting and getting the processes and procedures and everything in place, that seems to be one of the biggest stumbling blocks that I've run into regarding anybody ready to scale. They have this dream of scaling, but this is a blind spot for a lot of people. How would you suggest somebody begin and the importance of taking that time and, and making sure that they have those processes and procedures documented? Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there's a lot to answer that question. I've talked to a number of companies that help people sell their companies, right? And the companies that will, that are sold, that have some type of a platform or some type of a base that is driving the company self sell for a substantial amount more. That process, that system is all integrated into that. So your company will be much more valuable when you do integrate some type of a core foundational platform that everyone is using to be able to manage that. You also look at the younger demographics, the people who are coming up, who want to, to, to start working for you. They expect these types of things. They don't expect to have Manel folders that are being filled out and papers stuffed in them. They're going to look at that and say, this company, they don't know what the heck they're doing. So even just from a, an employee attraction standpoint, there is incredible value to be able to have something like this. Where you typically start, and this is exactly what we do as well, is you obviously want to define all of your various different departments that you might have in the company, right? And you start there. And then you break that down and there's a lot of participation, participation, obviously, with the people that are actually doing the work. We found over the years that a lot of, we'll call C-level type company or C-level type individuals may not understand all of the minutia that's happening in each one of the departments. So it's important to be able to get a department head that is leading this innovation in that department. But basically, the way where it starts is just with a simple phrase and you literally just go through and you document this phrase through all, all of your different departments, all of the people that are participating in it. And the phrase is as the blank, I should be able to blank so that I can blank, right? So as the secretary, I should be able to look up our past customers so that I can see who has had service and when. And you literally just go through and you create those stories across all of the departments. And then you would have someone like us come in and start mapping all of those pieces out. And this fits to here and this fits to here and this company or this department needs to collect all of this information and they pass it over here. So we start laying that all out. And once you have that architecture, you're able to start designing software off of it. So that's really where it all start, starts. That's the core to be able to make this 
make this happen effectively. And I, again, I would also say the other piece, like I mentioned before, is making sure that you have one department head that is spearheading this because, again, depending how many people you have in your company, you don't want necessarily to have 100 people all trying to focus their their stories to one person who, who may not necessarily be in that department. So they're not going to understand all the nuances and all of that. So if that, that one person in the department you know, knows the department, understands all of the things that are going on, and then is collecting this from all of the people, we found that, that there's a lot more collaboration, a lot more feedback that happens between those individuals to be able to make sure that they're gathering all of the pertinent information. And what ends up happening a lot of times is this is an iterative process. You're not going to be able to think of everything that can be done right off of the bat, right? You're going to, chances are the things that are going to come up first are going to be the things that are the biggest problems. These are the, the things that are always a pain, whether this be a monthly, maybe they're creating reports and it takes a long time to do the reports. They're having to collect information from over here and over there. It really just depends on how you currently are set up, but you're never going to come right out of the gate and and hit all of the pieces. But once you have those foundational pieces and people start seeing, oh, we're doing this, we should be able to do this now. And they start thinking of other ways to be able to streamline and take more of that burden off of their shoulders. So that's in a nutshell, that's how it starts. And that's how it grows and flourishes as these types of projects. Uh, so Based on that experience, I would imagine that you've done some digital transformation then within your real estate business. How has that been going? It's going well, actually. So this morning, I actually just was talking to our designer who is making something to manage photos for us, uh, ultimately. So the way that we're looking at this, the problem that we have with this, and again, this is on large multifamily. You can imagine having like where I'm at right now, it's a, a property of six different buildings and it's a total of 275 units altogether. So you can imagine all of the work that's being done in all of those units, whether that be repairs or renovations, what have you, it's difficult to be able to keep track of what's been done where and where things are at and all of the various different projects. And we use property management software. We don't have a custom property management software, but the problem is that it do, it's not that terribly detailed with the way that we like to do things. So this kind of, this takes a, a step out of the way that we develop software as well. And we use what's called a, a scrum philosophy in our, the way that we develop things. And we've applied that to the real estate construction and, and project tracking area. So the way that we manage projects is, again, let's just take this complex that I'm in right now. Again, six buildings, 275 units. We will go through and break that down into building A has 57 units in it and building B has 25, whatever it is. And then we would break that down. Each apartment is apartment one, two, three, four, five. So we basically have the space, this holding place for a very broken down example of each one of those buildings, if that makes sense. We then go through and we create a list of tasks that need to be done in each one of those spaces. So is it a common area thing that's going to go into the general building side of things? Is this in 
an improvement that needs to go into building A, or I'm sorry, apartment A? Are we repainting the walls? Are we ripping out the kitchen in building A? See, basically what we do is we break down the entire project on a very granular basis. And once we have all of those to-dos, all of those tasks, we break that down into different weights, right? So rather than just using a Gannett chart, which a lot of people use Gannett charts, but they are incredibly inaccurate. We use what we refer to as a weighted system. We're applying numbers to each one of these tasks. And at the end of this, we end up having a total task workload. Basically, this is the total project all weighted out based on all of the various different tasks that we've identified that we're going to do. That ends up doing, let's just say that it totals up to be about 10,000 points, for instance, just off the top of my head. What that then allows you to do is as the project starts progressing forward, you're going to be able to create what we refer to as a velocity of that particular project. You're going to know we're able to complete 50 points a day. And if we've got 10,000 points, that's going to take us, whatever, six months to be able to complete that particular project. You can also tell if something is going wrong or people are, are slacking off because you'll see a dip in in that productivity. And so it, it takes a little while. It takes two, three weeks or so to establish whatever your velocity is. But over the course of that project, you can absolutely tell within a couple of days if something is off, if something is not going right. Whereas with a Gannett chart, you're not going to see that until you're maybe a month or two behind schedule. Mm -hmm. So this software that we're building has that weighted system in there, but it also is going to be able to track all of the pictures so that we're able to see where the project is when we start. We, we take a picture of it when we start. And then as that project progresses, let, again, let's just say that it's unit 1A, building, building A, and it's apartment number one. And here's all of the rooms in that. And here's all of the things we're going to do in that particular home. Here's all of the pictures with timestamps on it. So at any point, we're going to know exactly where that project is at. And, and then this becomes a very valuable, once all of that work is done, we have all the pictures of the finished spaces that we can then use to be able to promote that unit. Uh, a lot of times our lenders are asking for picture, picture progress or picture results. So we're able to export this all as a, a PDF report, essentially, like here's where we started, here's where we are today, or here's where we are today when it's finished. So that's an example of an issue that we had. We were, again, we had this internal way to be able to track all of this, but then pictures were all over the place. We used uh, Slack is our primary um, conversation. So you know, we'd have to go back through there and find all of these pictures and download them all into you know, specific folders. And then even once they're in folders, it still is very difficult to be able to organize and manage. So this is an example of where we're digitizing our own process to be able to manage that construction process in a much, much more granular, uh, accurate way. Sure. Just to remind everybody, invest in squarefoot.com. And I'm going to make sure that is in the show notes. Again, it's invest in sqft.com. And uh, if you found some value in what we're talking about so far today, do us a quick favor and share it with one of your investor friends. So Matt, I'm a bit familiar with Agile Scrum, and I typically only see that in development shops and in the IT world. Has this been a foreign concept for some real estate investors and builders in that in comparison to what it, they're used to? 
It absolutely has, but we've had great success as well. Once people get in and they start, they start seeing the benefits of this. Obviously, everyone wants the project to go well, and this is just a much, much more accurate way to be able to manage that entire process, which again, the contractors are going to make more money too. They're going to know if, if there's issues or people are slacking off or you know what have you, because again, we're getting those updated pictures on a daily basis, all in one platform. Yeah. So far, everyone has, has really seen a great deal of value in, in this methodology. So yeah, we haven't really had much pushback. And we also, in all of the projects, we also develop a core group of people. And this is one of those prerequisites that everyone has to be willing to do this type of process. So we end up getting a core group of people that already understand this, already know and like this form of communication and this form of project management. It helps bond us better with the local, the, the local uh, vendor resources as well. Yeah. It's one of those things. Did you feel like you had to lead with the value a little bit in order to get people on board? It, it usually until they see the benefit to themselves, that's when any kind of transformation actually truly happens. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, again, you're going through, and, and we touched on this on the digital transformation explanation a little bit. You're going to identify these issues that a lot of people have right off the bat. That's, what, that's the way that we do this is when we come in and we're explaining this to contractors, we say, how do you handle all the pictures that are coming in right now? You're getting all of these pictures, all of these reports. Your clients are asking for picture results. The lenders are going to be asking for all of this. All of the contractors that are in this space, they, they are used to dealing and having to, to get all of these pictures. And it's just, it's a nightmare, quite honestly. At the end of the day, you end up getting you end up getting all of these pictures all glump, clumped together. And then you're like, where was this one at? And what was this for? And where were we at with this? And it's just such a pain. Whereas using our method and our process, you're able to hand over essentially a report with a push of a button that allows you to be able to see this is the whole project from start to finish. Being able to see that transformation ends up being a, a great resource. And what we're finding too, is we're able to start using some of those, that story, if you will, that we've created through all of these pictures, we're able to use that on the next project and say, here, this is what we did on the last one. This is, this is how well this worked. So then everyone who might be involved in the next project is on board with it then too. It shows the benefits right there. So you're gathering a lot of information. I would imagine since you're getting into multi, you're deep into multifamily investing. Are you running any kind of syndications or anything associated oh, yeah. with these? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we certainly, we certainly do. I'll say probably seventy-five percent of what we do is syndication. So, I was going to bring in the fact that the the amount of information you're gathering, I would imagine that it's probably helping you when you're presenting a syndication or attracting investors at this point, at that point yeah, too, though. Exactly. Yep. So, exactly. Exactly. So can you talk a little bit about that? How has that information helped you regarding pitching the next multifamily yeah, opportunity? I, yeah. Again, I think 
we've, we have just started using this and deploying the, we've been deploying it for about a year and a half or so, and we've refined it down into this process that we're again, establishing the system now that the online tool, the online systems, but we noticed, so we haven't necessarily done the entire project from start to finish in one report yet. That's what the software is going to do. Uh, but what we have done is we've definitely shown these progress process or, or project progress pictures in our OMs. And this is what we've done before in the past, just two side-by-side -side pictures. So we haven't really necessarily broken it down into this scale of pictures yet, but that's going to be coming very soon. And like I said, everybody likes to see the before and afters and being able to show them all the steps along the way and maybe even pointing out some of the issues that we ran into and how we handled it again through all of these pictures uh, is, in our opinion, going to be valuable. We're very transparent with what we do. So if we can tell a better story and show a better story, that's what we're always going to do. So again, this is just a better tool, better resource to be able to you know, get more granular with that type of thing. When you bring up the before and after photos, it reminds us that the most traction that we ever get regarding any social media posts is posting those before and after photos. People really like to see those type of transformations. Yeah, absolutely. And it's gratifying. Everybody likes doing that. You've probably painted a, a room in your house before and just being able to, to step back and say, wow, this, I remember what this used to look like. This was this terrible color and now this place looks great. It looks so much bigger or so much brighter, right? You, everybody always craves that that satisfaction, that gratification that you get from that. Again, being able to show that on a project basis is just really powerful. So do you have any examples like the digital transformation that we were talking about earlier, especially in the real estate industry? Have you helped other companies with this concept? We haven't necessarily in the real estate space. I would say construction, definitely. Um, so in the construction, and, and I'll, I'll just explain the way that the process used to look, arguably one of the probably the largest waterproofing contractor in the country, we've designed and developed all of their systems, all of the apps that they use to sell their products. Uh, and we also designed their backend CRM system as well. So the way that particular company used to work was they would build these Manila folders with all the information. They would sell a, a particular project or sell a customer and then they would start building these, these folders. All the contracts would go in there. The checks would go in there. Pictures would go in there. All of the information. So by the time you're done, their folders were relatively thick. It was probably two inches thick, give or take, depending on how difficult that project was. And that was the truth for that project. But the problem was that only one person could access that folder all at one time. And they had this particular way of, okay, I'm done with this now. I've got to take this this box of folders over to the other department and then the other department did their thing with it. And then the customer would call in, oh shit, where's the folder? I've got to go find the folder. So then people are running around the building. Where's this folder at? What department has this folder? I can't find the folder. And folders would get lost and they have checks, they have payments in there. So it was just, it was a complete mess. So now everything is on this platform that the confirmation department is entering in all of the original, the customer information. And then that goes over to order process and gets all the financing in place. And then it goes over to the production department, which they schedule the crews to go out. And as the project is getting installed, pictures are getting uploaded into that particular customer's profile service. Then if 
they have to go back and service anything, or they also have a warranty department. All of these departments are now able to access all of the information all at the same time. And they're also able to extract data from that too. So one of their big pain points, which literally took them about two weeks or so to do their monthly reports. So they would have to go from department to department, get all the information up, order processing. This doesn't make any sense from what confirmation told me. Then order processing, confirmation or talking back and forth, trying to get there, get aligned there. The reports weren't accurate. It was taking the entire company a long time to be able to create them. And again, a lot of back and forth, a lot of distraction, a lot of interruption. And again, that's all been that's all been eliminated now because they're able to push a button and it exports that data for wherever they are. And before they were only doing this one little snapshot uh, at the end of the month, now they're able to do it every day if they want to do it, right? Mm-hmm. So they're able to be, have a lot more granular look into how the business is doing and you know, where the issues are and all of that. So that's an example of some of the challenges that they were running into originally and what the business looks like today. And also when they have replacement people, the the software, or I should say when they lose someone and someone comes in to replace them, the software is intuitive so that the next person doesn't have to learn this elaborate process of, I've got to check this box and check this and put this paperwork in here and then give it to this person and None of that, it's all just right in front of them and they're able to to complete whatever their step in the process is without all that terribly much knowledge transfer. I think a lot of people identify that this is something that is needed within their business, no matter how quickly they want to scale. Where would you suggest somebody start? You already mentioned the user stories within each department, but let's say it's just a couple people, one man band or something, and and they want to lay the groundwork to to make sure that they're that this is an easy transformation, what would you suggest they where should they start? Yeah, so I would actually say that this type of thought process is only really valuable once you grow a little bit more. If you're a one man couple person show at doing this today, starting today, you probably should just be using one of the the various project management softwares out there and, and building your business using those types of softwares today. The Trellos or Asanas or Basecamp. There, there's all kinds of different project management platforms out there. This type of philosophy is once you start getting big enough where you have, again, different departments that are communicating back and forth with one another a lot of times what people will end up having, and this is something you can look for, is if each department has their own way of doing things, maybe they all have their own spreadsheets that they're using to to complete whatever it is that particular department needs to do, but that spreadsheet doesn't make any sense to the next person. So what ends up happening is in those types of situations, you're basically building this thing, whether you realize it or not, you have an internal thing that is being built. You're, you have a customer that is being built. And that information needs to get handed off to the various different departments at certain times. If your handoff needs to be completely reconverted so that department can utilize it or process through the information that they need, chances are you probably have a a situation where there's a tremendous amount of savings potential, both from time and work, the amount of time that, that it takes to be able to create those various different assets that are being handed off 
and also from that transfer from department to department. Those are the opportunities that that really yield a big savings, which obviously, again, time equals money. So if you're able to save a substantial amount of time with this transfer, those are where you see the big the big payoffs with this. But yeah, I, I would say that if you're smaller, and again, if you're just starting out today, just use one of the one of the platforms that's out there and available today, and try to use that as long as possible. But again, once you start getting into those different departments, you may find that again, there's a lot of just a lot of confusion between the different departments and what's going on and the information that's being passed back and forth. Right. Yeah, we still use Asana. It's a great yeah. tool. And especially you can get in for in the prices right, especially initially free as you can't beat free. Yep. But what I think is really powerful there is doing exactly what you suggested earlier. We started to ba- base a project template. We do a lot of flipping houses in my market right now. And we have a cat list of categories, especially like we know exactly what flooring we're going to use. We use the same flooring every time. We use the same paint every time. And then you essentially create a project template. And then just anytime we get new feedback, we're trying to update that template to accommodate so that the next project runs a little smoother. We just make a copy or replicate that project and then just run with it. Mm-hmm. But every single time we have a project with Scrum, that's part of the feedback loop there, right? You're trying to update those processes in order to make the next project a little better, better, a little yep. smoother. You're covering more bases. Yep. So yep. it's it works really well. Yep. Yeah. No, that's exactly the way you wanted the way that you want to do that. And again, from our experience, typically the businesses that were built before the platforms like Asana were around, right? So businesses that are 10, 12 years old now, those are probably the ones that have grown up without necessarily having a platform available to them. The newer ones have had these platforms available to them. Again, build your business around those types of platforms. Like you said, the price is right for those uh, and being able to build and grow and utilize those types of systems just makes perfect sense. But when you already have an established process and you have a certain way of doing things, and then you're trying to squeeze that into an Asana, that's where, again, a lot of the rub is at. Sure. Just remind everybody again, it's investinsquarefoot.com, and that's going to be a clickable link in the show notes. But if you're ready, Matt, I'd like to close this episode out with some rapid fire questions. Let's do it. So first of all, here's your chance to bust a real estate investing myth you might have heard. What would you like to bust here today? I would say what comes to mind is actually the reason why I named the podcast Invest in Square Feet. So what a lot of people make the mistake of doing is when they're looking at comps, they will say there's a comp down the road. It's a two bedroom we should be able to get that for our two bedroom, right? And, and I'm talking, I'm looking at this specifically for apartment buildings, right? So they'll say Johnny's place down the road, they're, they're getting $1,500 for their two bedrooms. We're only getting $850 right now for our two bedrooms. So that's a big Delta. We, we've got a long way that we can increase rents five, 600 bucks and still be just under, under Johnny's place. But what a lot of people don't necessarily take into consideration is what is the square footage of what Johnny's place is. 
project. So is Johnny's place a thousand square feet? Is it 1500 square feet? Is it 2000 square feet? You need to know what the square footage is of the comp and then divide that by the price that they're asking to get your comp square footage. And then you just multiply that times whatever square footage it is that you're dealing with. And then that is going to give a market comparison of what can be achieved in that particular that particular unit, that particular home, whatever the asset may be. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yep, that makes a lot of sense and couldn't agree more. Now I'm looking for a book recommendation, but you're not allowed to say Rich Dad, Poor Dad or Think and Grow Rich. Okay. For obvious reasons. Yes, uh, I would say <laughs> the one that I, I refer to often is Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Negotiation, communication, no matter who you're, who you are doing that with, that could be a family member, that could be kids, that can be business partners, the person you're trying to buy a property from. Communication in life is key, and it's a great book with a lot of great frameworks to be able to break down situations so that you can be, you can become a better communicator in whatever context you're using it in. One of the best book investments I've ever made. Hmm. That's a great one. What is one of the biggest business mistakes you've made and what did you learn from it? I would say that probably the electrical contracting company I mentioned before that it, it went out of business. And that was, I was extending myself or I was extending too much credit to various different vendors without enough control on the other side. So again, this was electrical contracting. We would buy all the material, we'd buy all the supplies. We go and uh, install all those supplies in the in the, the various different projects. So once we left, there's no there's no we can't go back and take the stuff back out again. So that was one of the main reasons why I wanted to shift into technology because I do have that kind of control now. We are able to still reach the assets that we're building. So for me, it's making sure that you still have enough control over or whatever the product or service it is that you're using. And there's various different ways of doing that. Again, technology, software, that's an obvious, an obvious connection, but just making sure that you don't get too overextended, but you never know what other people are, are doing, how strong another company is. For me, it's that, that bit me in the butt once before. So that's something that I don't get myself involved in any longer. So, sure. so uh, whether it's personal or business, what is one tool you just can't live without? One tool I can't live without. That's an interesting question. I would say that probably my, my so I, I use the Ura ring. And there's the camera right there. So oh, sure. I, uh, I've heard of that thing. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it measures your heart rate and sleep, all of that. So this, this is something that I like to, I check in a couple times a day on it, normally in the morning and in the evening just to see, was I active enough today? Did I get my steps in? And then in the morning, how did I sleep last night? Do I need to, to take it easy today or can I you know, go for, full bore? And I found that this is really accurate, but it, it gives you a good indication as to how much you should be getting involved in, in any one particular uh, situation. How's the battery on that thing? Like it, it, on an Apple Watch, for example, you got to be charging that almost on a daily basis. Yeah, no, this lasts for about a week or so. That's another great that's thing. Really and it, yeah, yeah, that's really it, good. Yeah, it works similar. I don't have an Apple Watch, but I, I think it you know, works similar. With, there's just a charger. You just drop the ring on the charger. It's all wireless. So yeah, so it, I and it takes, I don't know, maybe two hours, three hours to charge something like that. But, uh, but yeah, it lasts for about a week or so. 
So that, that oh, works really that's well. Interesting. Too. Yeah. If you could go back in time and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. So this is something that I actually learned early on. Yeah, I meant, there we go. There we go. Are you still there? Yeah. Okay. Yep. This is something that I learned very early on in life. So when I was 16, my father passed away. And before that, I was very, he was basically my best friend. He, I did everything with him. He's the reason why I knew how to do all of this stuff that I was able to start doing when I was 19 years old, buying a house. I pretty well knew how to do everything by that point, right? So he drowned in Cape Hatteras. So this was really abrupt uh, and obviously a big shock. So I, I realized at that point that life is too short to worry about what other people thought about about me. So before that, I was very, just very shy. I didn't really have all that trip with many friends. Basically, my dad was my, my main friend. So I, I came out of my shell. And then looking back on that situation, uh, I would do anything to have my dad back. But I, I have learned to look at the positive in every situation. So in that particular situation, again, worst point in my life, I realized that had that not happened, I might not have ever come out of my shell and who knows where I'd be today. I might, I might not have done anything that I've been able to do today. So just being able to look positively on situations because life is going to happen. Things are going to happen in, in life. You're not going to be happy every single day. People are going to hit your car and there's going to be things that are going to happen, right? And just being able to look at the positive, everything you have in your life or, hey, I, I failed here, but I learned this. So now that's not going to happen. I've already gone through that. So just looking at the positive in, in various different life situations is what I have learned that I try to do all the time. Under 60 seconds, I want to give you the chance to give everybody one piece of advice that they can implement in their business today to have a direct impact. What would it be? To have a direct impact, I would say, God, there's so many things under 60 seconds. I'd say read the book by Chris Voss and start implementing some of the mirroring and those strategies and, and just practice at it. Oh, and actually another great thing, communication, Chris Voss, great book, gives you those frameworks that you can use. But another thing that I found was take some improv classes because people are so in their head when they're trying to think of what to talk about and what to say. And that it starts to, to, to get stumbled, right? You start to, to jumble up. Um, with improv, it teaches you to just let your, let your intuition take over and, and just speak. So again, communication is key in everything that we do. So I'd say Chris Voss, but also an improv class can have great impacts on your ability to be able to just think off the cuff and let things flow. So that's a unique one. Appreciate that. So Matt, there is there a question or concept you wished we would have covered here today? No, I feel like I have an eclectic background and there's so many different things that we could talk about uh, and obviously so many more details, but I, I think we covered, I think we covered a good general basis with everything here. Love it. With your background, that's probably why you have a successful podcast. So head over to invest in squarefeet.com and that link will be clickable in the show notes, but really appreciate your time, Matt. This was great. If you learned at least one actionable step to incorporate into your real estate investing, 
If so, please consider returning some of that value by leaving a positive review, subscribing to our YouTube channel, or joining our growing network on Facebook and Twitter. You can find links to all of our social media accounts in the show notes. See you next time.